win. When you love God and being in His presence so much, time stops passing. Like you're not worried about, well, what's going to happen next? Or how do we, you know, what am I going to do after, you know, after the service today? And, um, and I'm not trying to, you know, don't feel guilty if you're not in that place yet. But know that that's where God wants to get you. If That your love for Him is just so much, it just doesn't matter. It just It's just like you can just be with Him for a long time and not even know. You know, at the... The triumphal entry of Jesus, which is what I was going to preach on today, and we'll, we'll share a little bit about it. Nobody had to tell the crowd what to do. Nobody had to tell the people what to do. You know, I think sometimes in church, and it might be if it's our fault when we're on the platform, we tell you, hey, let's do this, let's do that, you know. But we're kind of used to being told what to do. But, you know, on that day, I mean, it wasn't like, hey guys, okay, this is, this is Palm Sunday. They didn't know it was Palm Sunday. <laughs> okay, go get the palm branches because this is Palm Sunday. It was just something in their heart that saw Jesus. And when they saw Jesus, they're just like, I got to do something. They were, just, they were just moved and they're just like, boom, here's some, here's some trees. And they start ripping apart the trees. They're taking off their cloaks, their prayer shawls. Sure, sit down. <laughs> no, no, keep going. I'm just, I mean, not, not keep going. So go ahead and sit down. I'm starting to preach. So go ahead and... <clears throat> I might be like Elisha, you know, when he brought the harpist and the harpist starts to play and then the hand of the Lord comes on him. Um, anyway, but I mean, no one told him what to do. It was just like a spontaneous love and response to Jesus. And it says in, you know, it is in all four Gospels, one of them, I don't remember which one, as I was reading it this week, it says, you know, they began to praise him for all the miracles they had seen. So in other words, some of them were were tangibly remembering Jesus doing a miracle for them or in front of them or for someone they knew. For some, it was Lazarus. They were there when Lazarus, Lazarus came back out of the tomb after four days of being dead. For others, it was the blind man was their, their cousin. It was like, that was my cousin. And Jesus touched his eyes. And for some, it was the guy on the mat, the four friends. Maybe they were there. Maybe the four friends were there that day that lowered the guy through the roof. And they're like, I remember, I remember, I remember Jesus. And then they go crazy. They're just like, give me a tree branch. Give me something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wave it. I'm going to shout. I'm going to do something for him. I'm going to welcome him. I'm going to celebrate him. Maybe next Palm Sunday we're going to set up a bunch of trees and just let you all rip them apart during worship. <laughs> okay, I, I get it. It doesn't work that way if you set it up. But that's, it was spontaneous. It was, it was flowing from their hearts. No one had to say, 
Hey, Jesus is he's on the donkey now, and so we're going to have this big, huge celebration. And so get ready. I want you to really press into God right now. Man, that's what we want. That's what our desire is for our my life, first of all, that I don't have to be, you know, like told what to do. Like, okay, it's time to do that. Okay, God, it's time for me to read my Bible. Mm. I'm going to do it now. It's time for me to do this. It's time for me to do this. And sometimes we, we, there's a, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone, there's, there needs to be some plan. It's good to plan, you know, sometimes. But there, there, sometimes just a little spontaneity is refreshing. You know, it's just like there's something just fresh that comes up. You know, when, you, when you're married, you know, you get, you get into routine. I've been married long enough now, longer than some of you think. It's 13 years this year. I know I only look 23, but uh, <clears throat> supposed to laugh a little bit more. Um, 13 years, and some of you have been married, you know, double that or triple that, maybe quadruple that. I don't know. <clears throat> you get in a routine, but there's something special. When there's a spontaneous expression of love. Amen. You know, I got, last week was my wife's birthday, or some week ago, a couple weeks ago. What, was it last week? It was March 30th. It's my brother's birthday and my wife's birthday. Look, I, I don't ever forget that one. Uh, just, I remember, like, hey, make sure I get both of them. Um, there's other people in the church, too. It's like, we got a lot of birthdays on the 30th here. Um, but on my wife's birthday, um, you know, on Wednesday night, it was the day before her birthday, and Nardis says, hey, I'm going to pick up some cake and ice cream. We'll celebrate Ashley's birthday night. I was like, great. I was thinking of maybe doing something like that, just just have it at dinner. And so, um, and I'm like, you know what? It's not her birthday yet, but I'm going to go pick her up some flowers. Thank you, Jesus. Your prayers are working, right? <laughs> you know, and, you know, I, I got my wife gifts on her birthday, and I got my wife a gift two days after her birthday. And, I mean, she does the whole week, by the way. So, you know, Monday night, we, had, we went out for pizza. Um, I mean, and it's turning, it gets longer every year. You know, pretty soon it's going to be your birthday year. You know, we're celebrating my 33rd birthday all year, you know. <laughs> Just one big party. Um, but so there's, you know, but there was, she did, for some reason, she didn't expect it that night, I think. And so she really, that was like something special to her. And I know flowers are good. Look, I, I got that. I try to get that message. <clears throat> you know, and, you know, we, we expect, you know, you got, you got all the holidays. Well, let me help you out, man, here. There are holidays where you might want to try to do something. You know, there's Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Whether you believe this is a, a commercial setup or what, it doesn't matter. You, it don't matter. <laughs> it, it does not matter. Right, Sarah? It does not matter. It uh, doesn't matter what you believe. I don't like Valentine. It, it, it does not matter. You need to get something. Express your love some way. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be... But, but express your love. But that's, a, that's an expected... You know, that's a, that's a, a planned expression of love. 
But there's, you know, when, when you get the unplanned thing and you surprise someone, they're not, I wasn't expecting that today, or I wasn't, you know, there's something about that. You know, God wants the worship that's, that's like, wow, you surprised me. I know we can't really surprise God. You understand what I'm saying? He, he knows, but he's, he receives, the, he gets so much joy and pleasure out of it. You know, Jesus was so excited that day when he rode in on the donkey and people were just going crazy, just worshiping him. They didn't have to be told what to do. It was an expression from their hearts. Yeah, that's, what, that's what worship is. Worship is an expression of your heart. That's what, this, was, this, was a, this was like extravagant, spontaneous, uh, you know, crazy kind of worship for Jesus. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know if the palm trees were there. Or they just carried them with them or whatever. But, they, you know, they're ripping the trees apart. They're, they're throwing their clothes down and letting a donkey walk on it. I mean, and donkeys, they, you know, they go to the restroom too. I mean, there's a risk, you know. It's like I might not get that article of clothing back or I might not want it back. You know, but it didn't matter in that moment. All the things that would normally matter didn't matter. When you're expressing your love for someone, and that's what worship is, it's an expression of love. And God is going to take us where we continue to, to just go deeper with Him, whether that's in our corporate gatherings and whether that's in your, your own personal times. I encourage you, have, have times where you just worship God. You just say, I'm going to worship God. It's not planned, it's just, it just happens. You're like, man, I'm, I'm going to praise God right now. And those times are amazing. There's also another part of worship that you have to understand. I've never forgotten this quote, and I don't exactly know who it's from. It could be from Bill Johnson, but it may be from somebody else. But he said, except for those spontaneous times where just, you're just moved in your heart, all worship starts in the flesh. In other words, it doesn't start as a spiritual thing. You have to choose to do it. You know, sometimes love is a choice. You know, when you first get married, ah, I remember that first first year, first couple of years. And there's a little, you know, getting to know each other and all the all the stuff with that. But you know, it's just ah, some of you. Some of you are like, I I don't know if I remember that. It's been a long time. But you know, you don't, you don't have to be told to do something. You're not waiting for Valentine's Day. You're like, man, every day is Valentine's Day. <laughs> You've married the person in your dreams. You're like, I am so in love with you. And then a few years down the road, you're like, you annoy me a lot. <laughs> and so your expression of love then is not spontaneous. It's a choice. Where I say... You annoy me, but I'm moving towards you and I love you. And I'm going to find a way to show you that I love you. See, there's sometimes where we have to do that with God. We don't, we're not feeling it. You don't always feel it. If you wait for your feelings, you're going to be led by your feelings every, in all kinds of crazy places. For a believer in Jesus, feelings follow faith and action. It's when you say, I'm going to trust God, I'm just going to believe, and I'm going to do something as an expression of love for Jesus. I'm going to just choose to do it. So most times on Sunday mornings, worship for all of us starts in the flesh. Some of us are waiting for that moment where we feel like it. That's never going to happen. The moment's going to happen when you say, I'm going to do it 
even though I don't feel like it. I'm going to do it even though I'm feeling disappointed right now with what God's doing in my life. I'm going to choose to step in. I'm going to, I'm going to worship. And then it's in the act of faith where the presence of God and the Holy Spirit is released and we can enter in. We can draw near to God. The feelings might even follow. They might not. But we can choose to worship. We can choose to express our love. A lot of times, again, related to marriage, that has to happen in marriage. Look, you don't always feel like it, but if you take the time to begin to express love to one another, then something can spark. Then you can enter in where you're almost feeling like, well, this feels almost like we were when we were first married or whatever point you want to go back to or look to or maybe for the first time, you're like, there's something here. And then it becomes where you just moved with your heart. But you can't just follow, you can't follow your heart until you've taken a step of faith. Amen. You know, following your heart without faith leads you all kinds of crazy places. You ever heard that phrase, just follow your heart? Well, it's following your heart as it's connected to Jesus and the Holy Spirit in you that leads you into a good place. You can't just follow your heart. That means just follow, do whatever you feel is good. So there was a sermon in here somewhere. <clears throat> you know, we read this before. Let me, let me read it again. From this. this is a different translation. Don't put it on the screen because it's not the same one. Um, this is the Passion Translation. Sometimes it's just a little bit worded a little bit differently. helps us... Uh, hear a familiar passage uh, in a different, different way. It says, After saying this, Jesus headed straight for Jerusalem. It's the book of Luke. When he arrived at the stables of Ania near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples ahead, saying, When you enter the next village, you will find tethered there a donkey's young colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone stops you and asks, What are you doing? Just tell them this. It is needed for the Lord of all. I love that where it says Lord of all there. But that's kind of what Jesus was saying. Whenever he says Lord, he means Lord of all. The two were sent ahead to the village and found the colt exactly like Jesus said. While they were untying the colt, the owners approached them. Of course, hello, someone's stealing my car. Okay. The owners approached and said, what are you doing? The disciples replied, we need this donkey for the Lord of all. They brought the colt to Jesus, then they placed their prayer shawls on its back, and Jesus rode it as he descended the Mount of Olives towards Jerusalem. As he rode along, people spontaneously threw their prayer shawls on the path in front of him like a carpet. As soon as he got to the bottom of the Mount of Olives, the crowd of his followers shouted with a loud outburst of ecstatic joy over all the mighty wonders of power they had witnessed. They shouted over and over, Highest praises to God for the one who comes as the King in the name of the Lord. Heaven's peace and glory from the highest realm now comes to us. Let heaven come, huh? Some religious leaders who stood off from the procession said to Jesus, Teacher, you must order your followers at once to stop saying these things. And Jesus responded, Listen to me. If my followers were silenced, the very stones would break forth with praises. I love the, the wording on that. It's just a little bit different. Some of the phrasing, it, it kind of opens it up a little bit more. But I have, I have a couple of different things. 
one question for you in this passage. Would you have untied the donkey? Would you have untied the donkey? Jesus told them to do something that was out of the ordinary. He told them to do something that they weren't expecting. He told them to do something where they had to have faith. They had to believe that what Jesus said was true. It doesn't name the disciples in any of the Gospels. We don't know which two it was. We don't know who it was, but it was two of them. Can you imagine the journey? They're like, you go on to the next village, and when you get there, you'll see a donkey. And you're thinking, well, there's lots of donkeys. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what I'd be thinking. Back then, it's like, hey, when you go to the next street, you'll see a car parked there. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Jesus, a little bit more. Now, he did in some of the Gospels. He says, hey, this is one that's never been ridden on. This is a donkey that's never been ridden, so he's very young, just growing up. And so, you know, can you, I mean, the two guys are like, Jesus is asking them to take a risk. There's, this is, there's a risk in obeying Jesus this time. You know, they, you know, you steal a donkey back then, I don't know what happens, but it's not good. You know, I mean, they had jail back then, they had, they had prison back then, no TV in it though. <laughs> No exercise break. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying prison is good. Absolutely not. I'm just saying it was rough back, rougher back then than it is now. And so they had to take a risk. So my question to you is, would you untie the donkey? Are you going to untie the donkey? When Jesus asks you to do something that that's, has you step out of where you're at to, to take a risk for him, are you going to go take the safe route? Are you going to take the faith route? Because the faith route is not always the safe route. When you step out and do something, you have to take a risk. Are you willing to risk to obey Jesus? Now, you, Caleb and Sarah, you guys took a risk. You stepped out in faith. That was a, a, a step of faith. We had to go, man, Jesus is telling me we need to go on this journey and we're, we're going to adopt a baby. I know for a fact they said, we're done at three. <laughs> you didn't say that. Your family was all fine with it. Great, we love these three. Ah. I said I was done at two. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to say anything. That's what, <laughs> in relation to me. But you have, to, you have to take a step of faith. There's, there's a risk where you have to go, I'm going somewhere where I've never been before. If you had been there before, it's not a step of faith. You know, a step of faith requires that you do something that you've not done before. You've never been in that place. You've got to take the risk. And so the disciples... We're taking a risk. I mean, they had seen Jesus do all kinds of miracles. And I don't know if they were thinking, man, that'd be cool if we could go pray for someone. But we're just getting the donkey. What if they had thought, this isn't that big of a deal. They get their owner says, you know what? My bad, bro. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was hoping nobody would say anything. Even though Jesus warned it. If somebody says something, here's what you say. But they're like, I don't want to really say that. And they went ahead and they obeyed. They believed Jesus and they obeyed. And their obedience, their obedience 
was essential, was, was paramount, was, was exactly what needed to happen in that moment. Jesus needed them to obey. The donkey had to be there. Here's why. This was a prophecy in Zechariah 9. It says, you're, you know, rejoice, Zion, your king is coming, riding in, not on a horse, not as a, as a victorious war hero, but riding in in peace, as a humble servant. He's coming in on a colt, on a young donkey. And you're going to, you know, with you, hope is going to be released into people who are in prison. That's what the, the prophetic promise is in Zechariah 9. It's Zechariah 9, 9 through 14. If you want to go read it at home later, there's some powerful stuff in there. There's the idea of the covenant. There's the coming of the king. When the king comes, that's when the kingdom is established. That's when his rule is established. Jesus was coming in this moment. He was saying, I am the king. I'm the king. You know, haven't you ever wondered where Jesus, Jesus never kind of just spells it out and says, Hello, I am the Messiah, the son of David, the one you've been looking for. I'm here. It's me. You know, I mean, it's, I mean sometimes, what do you think, you know, he has all these, but here's the deal. Anybody in that culture who knew the scriptures would have known that Jesus was making an Unwavering declaration, I'm Him. This was a declaration of His Lordship. That's why when Jesus said, I mean, there was so much authority, there was so much power in that moment, that donkey was untied. They just had to say the words that Jesus told them to say. The Lord needs it. You know, Jesus didn't refer to himself a lot as the Lord. He referred to him a lot as like the Son of Man. He referred to him as, as, as different titles. There wasn't a whole lot of times where Jesus says, I am the Lord. But he was making a declaration with his ride in, and the declaration was first started by the obedience of two disciples who said, we're going to believe the word you say, and we're going to do what you're saying. We're going to take a risk. We're going to step out, and the king's going to ride in and declare his lordship. You know, obedience releases things. When we take a step of faith and we obey God, there's, there's a release of the kingdom of God. There's a release of the power of the king that happens when we take a risk, when we step out in faith. So I don't know what, what donkey Jesus is telling you to untie, but are you going to untie the donkey? Are you going to sit staring at the cords and say, what if? What if somebody says something? Somebody, hello, let me give you a hint. Somebody's always going to be saying something. Somebody's always going to be saying something. Somebody's going to say, why are you doing that? Why, why are you doing that? That's crazy. Why are you doing that? When you're worshiping spontaneously, expressing your love for God, it's always the religious spirit that's going to go, oh, come on. That's just a little too much. Just... Man, <laughs> you know, it's always the religious spirit that's going to war against obedience and faith and true expression of worship. And so if, I ever, if, if you're ever thinking those thoughts, you know, hey, remember last week? Hey, that thought's not from me. That's from an enemy of God saying, oh, can you look at them? Can you believe what they're doing? 
That's the religious spirit. That's a demon from hell. That is a demon. Just to clear it up. I really don't like that. I don't like any demons, just to clear it up. I don't like any of them. But the religious spirit will come in and keep us from taking risks, and it will keep us from expressing our love for Jesus. It's going to be on the sidelines. Man, this is the most amazing thing. Jesus is coming in as the king. Now look, their worship was a little bit ignorant. They, they thought something else was going to happen, you know, but that's okay. You know, we, we don't see it all. And so just worship God with the revelation you have, whatever he's giving you, just worship him. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to re- wait till you get a little bit more knowledge. No, just whatever you've received, whatever God showed you, whatever God's done in your life, just begin to worship him. You know, they're, they're worshiping, they're thinking, yeah, the king's here, we're going to be rescued, he's going to sit on the throne, he's going to save our nation. And, you know, they thought it was going to be a physical kingdom, and Jesus is like, it's a spiritual kingdom, I'm actually coming in as the king to die. I'm going to die on the cross. This is, this is the start of Passion Week, where, where four days later, Jesus is being crucified in the same city. In the place that he was the king. The king came into the city as the king, and then he willingly laid his life down. So I'm going, to have, I'm going to have John, This now's a good time. John's going to share some testimonies. And, and the thing about this is these testimonies are testimonies where John took a risk and stepped out in faith. And, you know, he was obedient to what the Holy Spirit was saying. And when we do that, it's a divine appointment. Amen. And here's the deal. I had this thought. I'm going to share it and then I'm going to let you go. Um, is, is this. With Jesus, every second was a di- divine appointment. We've turned it into a special thing where it only happens every once in a while. Where with Jesus, everything was a divine appointment. It's like he happens, whoa, 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 there's a blind man. Well, <laughs> did that just happen? No, Jesus was a walking divine appointment because he was doing what God was doing. He was always in the place God says here. So as you go through life, hey, there's a whole lot more divine appointments that we have as the people of God, because we are walking with the same spirit, the same heart of God the Father for those people around us. There's divine appointments every single day, if we'll look. Just a couple things before I share these. Um, I don't need, I I don't want to share it and then receive good job. You know, I'm not... When God called me to this church, I knew it. We had talked to Pastor John in, in January. Then we had our 48 mop uh, that Wednesday following. And God told me, I am releasing gifts in this church. I am releasing my presence. I'm releasing callings into this church. It is time for them to rise up as men and women of God and come after me. And I took that personally. And trust me, Bethany and I have experienced plenty of spiritual warfare. It's not been... An easy road, but I'm not telling you these testimonies to, so I can receive praise. I've already received my award just being able to partici- participate in them. I'm telling you these so that you may rise up and become co-laborers. Amen. That we may reach the world with the kingdom of God. And so let me, let me tell you some testimonies. Since the same Wednesday night that we celebrated, Ashley, that March 30th, that day we were painting and hanging up some signs. And I decided to go home and have lunch. And I told John, I'll be back. I'll help you hang up these signs. 
And thank God for the grace that John has because he knows now that sometimes I'm just not going to show up because things happen. Uh, I'm driving home. I see a man pull into the median of the road, throw open his door, and get out. And I'm like, what's happening? And he throws open his hood, and his car broke down. So I stop, pull over, ask him what's going on. Long story short, I helped this man push his car off the road. And, uh, and I'm like, you good? He's I'm good. My brother's coming. Okay. I drive home. I have lunch. About an hour later, I'm coming back to the church trying to help John. And I see that he's still parked. Hood up, tools all over the, the road, still parked where I left him. And I drive right past him. I'm like, man, that guy's still there. And the Lord says, if you want the testimonies, you've got to be willing to stop. And so I flipped to Yui, went back to him, parked behind him, and said, what's up, man? How's it going? And for the next two and a half hours, we disassembled his power steering pump so that he could drive his car and limp it to the, the parts store and get it fixed. We get that done, belt's all back on, and I get my truck, and I'm ready to leave. Haven't said anything about that I'm a pastor or that I follow Jesus, nothing. I'm just helping him get his car running. And the Lord tells me, tell him about me. So I'm already here. I've already submitted today. All right. So I pop out of the car. I tell him about Jesus. And we're going to have a 30-minute conversation about who God is, this guy's life, the addictions he's faced, the struggles he's had. Nothing comes of that conversation. I invite him to church. We got tacos that night. We were celebrating Ashley. He didn't come. That's okay. But I believe God started the breakthrough right then. That Friday, I'm at work out in the oil field. And I was praying. I had my, my Bible app going, and I was praying. And this guy, Lodi, who's been asking Josh, my brother, Paxton, Beecham, Shane's father, just questions all the time. And then since I've worked there, he's asked me questions all the time as well. He goes to the bathroom, and I stop him. I say, hey, Lodi, i got a question for you. But before you answer, I need you to take the time because I'm going to pray for it. And I was feeling real bold today, but I was like, I'm going to pray for it. And when I pray, things happen. And so he's like, okay. I said, if God could do one miracle in your life, what would it be? And he told me, I want to see my, my best friend again. And I was like, what happened? And his friend had died. And my, the first thought was, how's that going to work? <laughs> and then God dropped it in my, my mind. He just said, I pray that you will see him in a dream. That he's going to come visit you in your dreams. And so I told him that. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. And he's like, okay. So Saturday goes, Sunday, we hear about the testimony of baby Anna, and the Holy Spirit is just real heavy on me. We have a friend of mine calls me, and God gives me a word for him just to encourage him. Bethany, one of her best friends, comes over. God gives us a word, and we pray over her, and then we, we spend time with the students, and Sunday comes around, and I get there to work out in the oil field, and I see Lodi. I'm like, hey, Lodi, what's up, man? Did you have the dream? And he's like, I did. Last night, I had the dream. He's like, I woke up, and it was just like a burden was lifting off of me. And I was praising God for that. But it keeps going. Tuesday, I go back out to the oil field, and I'm working. And Lodi comes up to me about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, why doesn't God see us as murderers or thieves or liars or our sinful ways? Why doesn't he look at us for our sin? And the only way I could answer that was with the gospel. I mean, Jesus is... Finished work on the cross is sufficient right there. And so we have this chalkboard type thing, some chalk, and I take them in there. And I know an illustration I'd love 
to teach to everybody here. But it will take you from Genesis chapter 1 to Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. And it leaves them with the choice, what are you going to do now? Are you going to follow Christ or are you going to deny him? And so he's like, man, I've, I understand the gospel. Like this is the first time anybody's ever explained it to me like that. It was him and his welder were right there. And so he leaves and God just again, keep going. It's his day, keep going. So I follow him out to the truck and I'm like, hey man, I just want to tell you my story of why I decided to follow Christ. And my testimony, I took my, my testimony, overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, and I went to him and I just said, here's my story, man. I got saved right over here, 2008, December 31st, and then two weeks later I moved in with Jason and Jamie Poe, and that Sunday, I think it was January 18th, and I don't know exactly, was the first time I experienced the presence of God. And when I experienced that, I was done. I'm in this thing. I know it's real. I know He has a plan for my life. I know He has a calling for me. I know who I am in Him. And I'm constantly learning that relationship. And I was like, and that, that changed my life forever. I'm, I have struggles. We all do. We all know what spiritual warfare is. We all know what tough times are. But Christianity gives us the hope that keeps us going. Jesus is our hope, right? And I was telling him about this. And I was saying, you know, the presence of God. And he's stopping. He's like, what does that feel like? And this is a guy who comes from... You know, drugs and, and a very rough background in his family life. And I said, you know, I don't know how to, how to explain that to you, but I can pray that you feel it. And so he's like, yeah. So I stopped right there in the oil field and I pray for this man. And he just starts weeping. And I'm praying for him and I start declaring things of that, you know, him and his family and what he will be, what God is going to do through him. And he's just crying, and I stopped, and I was like, what are you feeling? He's just like, I've never felt this much peace in my life. And he didn't know really what to say, so he just grabs me, and I grab him, and I'm continuing to pray over him. And this seems to be a habit with me, but I walk away. I'm like, that's a great moment. <laughs> Amen. I'm done. And I asked myself, did he just get saved? And the Lord said, go make it clear. Go make it clear for both you and him. So I walked back up to him like, hey, man, I really feel like you just had the experience from death to life. In John chapter 3, he talks about being reborn of the Spirit. And I think that's what you just experienced. And I want you to make it perfectly clear in your mind that you are now dedicating your life to the Lord. So we prayed together a prayer of dedication for him to surrender his life to Jesus. And he did. Right there. I went and told Paxton because Paxton has been pouring this into this man's life. And I was like, celebrate with me, man, because you watered. And God just allowed me to be there at the perfect time, you know. And so that happened Tuesday. Well, Wednesday, I'm, I, I work out here at the church. I got up. The Wi-Fi guy is supposed to come and set up our Wi-Fi in the, the apartment. He's late. And I'm like, okay. I text John, hey, John, waiting on the guy. Sorry, I'm not at the church yet. He gets to the house, starts setting up the Wi-Fi, asks him if he wants something to drink. I end up making him a smoothie. And uh, the Wi-Fi won't connect to the server, like our router's messing up. And I'm like, <laughs> so we're just sitting there talking about cars, life. We're, we're just chit-chatting. And then I tell him I'm a pastor, and he's like, okay. And still won't connect. It's like 11 o'clock at this point. Still won't connect. And then he asked me, you're a pastor, huh? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a pastor. Uh, where do you go to church? He's like, well, my family's Catholic, and my wife goes, and she's always wanting me to go. And, but, you know, I'm, I feel like a lot of Christians are hypocrites, you know, and that really bothers me. And, 
And so we began to have this dialogue about Christianity and Christ and, and his life. And he goes on to tell me about how he, he knows Jesus, but he just feels lot, like wandering around. You know, he doesn't know which direction to go. And God drops Isaiah thirty twenty one on me and it says, Whether you go to the right or to the left, you'll hear this voice behind you say, This is the way, walk in it. And I share that scripture, and then I share another scripture, and then like four or five scriptures later, I'm telling them, I'm saying, listen, man, you do not have to leave my house without knowing who Jesus is, without having that guidance in your life. And so he's like, yeah, I want that. So I said, I'm going to pray three things over you. Number one, that you feel the presence of God and you know his love. Number two, God to give me a word for his music, anointing a worshiper in his life. So I prayed that over him. And then three, that he would dedicate his life to the Lord. So I'm praying for the presence and the anointing to come upon him. And I stop because he's starting to cry a little bit. And he's, I don't know, I'm just like, something's going on. And I ask him, what are you feeling? What's going on? He's like, I feel like I have ants all over my body. I feel like I got ants everywhere. And this is crazy. And so I said, okay, let's keep going. So I pray for him again. And then we pray the sinner's prayer and lead him into a dedication of his life to the Lord. And this is, we're now like 1230, okay? John's like, where is this bum? And we start to talk, and he goes on to tell me that his mother's house, where his younger brother lives, just got busted into, and they raided it, and, you know, found drugs and stuff like that. And he was having to shuttle his nieces and nephews upward to Colorado, and just the struggle that that's been on his heart. And he says, you know, I came here today to hook you up with Wi-Fi, but it seems like you hooked me up. And it's, it's not every day you walk into somebody's house and you meet God. Both of those guys, I saw Lodi on Thursday, and he just was running around, jumping, joyful. I was like, dude, I'm so excited to go to church. Like, I don't, it's different. I'm just excited. And so I was showing him Bible apps and how to listen to the Bible. Another helper came to me later that day and was like, man, can you pray for me? And he comes from a really, really rough background. Very sad story. And I was like, who in your life loves you? Who do you know that really loves you? Because it looks like you're searching for love everywhere. And he said, Paxton Beecham. Paxton Beecham loves me. So tell your dad that he's got an amazing ministry. And it's not just your mom. That he's, that guy is changing the oil field. So bless Paxton. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to pray that you experience God's love. But you have to realize that when you go looking for love and sin, you're going to actually, you're running away from the thing you very much need. Sin is separating from that true love. So we pray for him. Friday, I get the text, or I text the, the, the gentleman who got saved Wednesday, and he's just like, I am so excited to go to church. Like, this is crazy. I, I feel different. My life is different. And then I go to the brew, because I'm supposed to be up here. I grab a cup of coffee in the morning before I head up to the church. And there's two guys sitting there talking about exegesis of the Bible and correct hermeneutics. These are all very scholarly words. And so I sit down because I'm just like, I need to sit down. I don't know what this is about. And we begin to talk about how so often people will step out in faith to, to verify or find that validity in their relationship with Jesus. Or they want to make sure people see them as the man of God or the woman of God.
And we just had a discussion. It was very simple. The whole time, these guys are talking. They're very educated scholars. One's a pastor at Stonegate. One's a pastor at Teen Challenge. And the whole time, I'm like, man, I am so prideful. Because I thought I was going to bring them the word. You know, and like, this is what you need to do, boys. This is how we're going to reach it. And they were just like counseling me. And it was a beautiful moment of humility. But in my mind, I'm like, I am so prideful. And then they look at me and they're like, thank you for being so humble. You convicted us of our pride. And I was like, "Um, I think it was the other way around. But it was a beautiful moment. And that pastor has texted me and he's like, let's get lunch. Let's meet up. And so it's just God connecting you know, churches across the board, regardless of denominations. Yesterday, we had a powerful time at the, the discipleship meeting just to get to meet everybody. And then this morning, and so I tell you all this because God is releasing. But you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. And sometimes this is the key, really, to why we don't, because we don't understand it. We don't understand why God is calling us to go get the donkey. Because maybe we're not the Bible literacy. We don't see the prophecy in the Old Testament that says he's going to ride in on the donkey. And so we don't get what he's doing. But if we would just submit our lives to him, we would just put ourselves under his lordship. We get to partake in everything that he's doing around us. And we don't miss our daily bread. We don't miss the life-giving waters by partnering in with this Holy Spirit. And it continues to bubble up in us. Instead of downward spirals of thinking of, of attacks on our mind, we get to join into this roller coaster of upward spiral, glory to glory to glory cycles that just, they come. They just, literally, I'm not going out and trying to do these things. It's just the one time I break it and say, okay, Lord, I'll be submitting to you. He just continuously, okay, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one, because I'm searching to and fro for a heart that's after mine. Searching, longing to pour out heaven on earth. But my people are letting stones take their place. Because they won't go untie the donkey. Rise up. It's time. The harvest is plentiful. Pray for the workers. Rise up. Co-labor with me in this. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do. Let's work together and see the kingdom come. Let's see God be alive in your life. Let's see God come alive in other people's lives. And let's see brokenness be healed. Bondage be broken. This is all possible because of the hope of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. You can live every day in victory. And you can bring that victory to everyone. Thank you. Wow. That's awesome. kind of feel like God's kind of confirming and saying, hey, divine appointments are not going to be this super special thing. They're still super special. They're just going to be a lot more common. So let's, let's, let's pray. I want to just pray over us.
Can we stand up? Can we can we first give a? I know we we kind of clap. Thanks, John, for sharing. Uh, but let's let's praise God for the lives He He saved this week. Thank you, God. Yes. Yes. Amen. So, Father, right now we we come into agreement with you. And we say, Lord, we, we are a part of what you are doing in our world. We are a part of what you are doing in our neighborhood. We are a part of what you're doing in our workplace. Lord, we are a part of what you're doing when we're shopping. Lord, we, we are on a mission. Lord, we don't go on that mission certain times of the day or certain days of the week. Lord, we are on it 24 hours a day. And so, Lord, we thank you. Lord, I pray for... Open eyes and open hearts and open minds to hear your voice, Lord, that we might recognize when you're saying to us, hey, go back to that person. Hey, you passed by. Hey, look, this is an opportunity. Hey, ask this question. Lord, let us, let us then be bold enough to step out and reach forward and do what you are calling us to do, Lord. Lord, we want to, we, we sing a song, we want to see your kingdom here, Lord. We can do that any time. We don't have to wait to sing the song on Sunday at church. We want to see your kingdom here in us, around us, moving from within us to touch those around us. So, Lord, we commission ourselves. Lord, you are commissioning us. We receive the commission that you are challenging with us today to take risks, to obey your voice, to step out, Lord, and to love people. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, what you're calling us to, Lord. We thank you even in this story, Lord. It doesn't matter who plants the seed. It doesn't matter who waters the seed, Lord. It it matters that we're all in this together, being a part of the harvest, being a part of what you are doing in our world, God. We thank you that we get to be a part. Just, Just let us do our part. Let us do it with faith, Lord. Let us do it with joy. Let us do it with boldness, Lord. Let it. Let us do it with humility. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey. Hey, share us your stories. Share your stories. When you have the stories, share the testimony as well.